You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This week we launch a new semester of small groups with a sermon from Pastor Rick that focuses on the ways we all need one another. Let me tell you some things about small group. One of the first things I want to tell you is right off the bat right here is a lot of people think it's all about the information. You know, it's about that. But small groups is not just about what you need to know. Small groups is also about who you need to be with. Now, I could scratch out small groups there, and I could put in Christianity, you know, and that still makes sense. You've got to change, change the uh, verb a little bit, verb tense a little bit. But Christianity is not just about what we need to know. Christianity is also about who we need to be with. Christianity is not about information. Can I get an amen there? I mean, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you and I could know about him or about. He didn't die for us to know, know something. No, he, died, he died for us to, to connect with him and to connect with his family, his church, <coughs> the body of Christ. He died for that. Uh, and, and small groups, this. a lot of people think, well, I don't really know that I need to know this or know that. You might not need to know anything that you hear in a small group. You might, not need, you might know everything I'm going to tell you today in this sermon. It's not about the info as much as it is about the connection with the people that you need to be connected with, have in your life that you need to be building relationships with. Does that mean info isn't? No, info is important. Last week, uh, early in the message, <coughs> I talked about how... Um, <clears throat> You know, imagine if we didn't have a Bible. Imagine if God didn't leave us the Word of God. He didn't leave us anything. What would we do for direction? What would we do for encouragement and inspiration and those kinds of things? What would we do to know how to approach God? So, yeah, info is important. But sometimes, you know, if we get the wrong thing out in front as being the most important, then we never get back to the other thing that is more important. Like, I believe people and connections are more important than having all the info and knowledge about all of it for this reason. It's because if you make the right connections, you're going to get the right info. But if you get all the right info, you might not ever make the right connections. Like this. If we begin to feel, next slide, if we begin to fill our lives with relationships with good people and start building solid relationships with Christians, then our lives are also going to begin to be filled with good information by default, nearly. I mean, it's just going to happen. If you're hanging around with Christians, you're going to hear good stuff, hopefully, right? Amen? You know? I mean, you cut, you're here at church right now, right? And you're hearing good stuff. I, you know, I hope I'm working to give you good stuff. If you join a small group, when you're in a small group around, you're going to be hearing good information. When you start connecting with Christians and taking, uh, taking your lunch hour to spend with them or, or having coffee or tea or whatever with them, then you're going to be having good conversations. So info is going to come. Some, yeah, now, we still need to you know, do our other stuff of owning our growth. A part of owning our growth is making those connections because if we're making right connections, those people are also pouring into us. Here's, I guess, you know, maybe you could say this, is that really the whole theme of this message is that the reason you need small groups is because you need people. You need people. So let, let me tell you a few things about small groups, okay? Number one, small groups are safe places. 
Small groups are, 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 are places like, you know, one of the things we talk about is uh, our leaders, we talk about, you know, making Sundays a safe place so you feel good. You feel comfortable bringing your, your unconnected friends and family members here because it's a safe place. You know, well, small groups are safe places, and it's a place to take this. I mean, this has been awesome this morning, hasn't it? I mean, hasn't this been good so far? But imagine, imagine it going longer than an hour and 15 minutes. Imagine it happening again on a Tuesday night. You know, or or a Saturday morning, and maybe maybe it's not going to be exactly like this, right? Because we're not going to have a hundred something people together in, in an early service. But maybe you know, it's only going to be ten or twelve or fifteen, a small group. It can happen again and again. Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. Okay, now note where that is. Acts chapter two. All right. So just in case, you know, you may know all about the Bible, but just in case, let me just make sure we understand. Okay. The New Testament begins with four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and uh, these are written by people who kind of like were eyewitnesses and saw what Jesus did, and so they wrote the story of, of Christ, okay? Four different guys writing the same story. All right, uh, back when, when I was a youth pastor, I had a, had a kid got saved in our youth group. He was probably 17, 18 years old and, you know, just about to, you know, out, almost to be out of the youth group, gets saved, buys a Bible, starts digging through the Bible, you know, and, and he calls me one night, and he says, Rick. Rick, tell me, how many times did Jesus live on the earth? And, and I said, one, why? He said, well, I read Matthew, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. Then I started reading Mark, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. Then I started reading Luke. I said, okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's four different people. Okay, so you get this. So the first four books of the New Testament is four different people telling the same story, but some of them saw this or remembered this or whatever and others. So there's, that's why there's differences, but it's the same story, okay? Then we have the book of Acts. Now, that's when Jesus leaves and the church is born. It's birthed. It's created. It happens. And this is chapter 2. So at the very beginning of the birth of the church, what do we have? We have this verse right here. And what does it say? It says, they, the disciples and all these people that came to know Jesus, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They 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 have what going on? They have teaching going on, hmm, sounds like a small group. They have fellowship, hmm, sounds like a small group. You know, they eat together, <laughs> yeah. Some of y'all thought that the Southern Baptists created that about 75 years ago or something, right? No, every time we eat, we got, or every time we get together, we got to eat, right? No, this is 2,000 years old. The church has been eating together for 2,000 years. And then it says, and, and they prayed, and sounds like a small group, right? I mean, look, look, right, that. If I were to put that, if I had to put Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and just worded it a little differently for those of you who really know the Bible, some of you would have just thought I'm talking about a small group by reading that right there because that's what a small group is, and it's 2,000 years old. So when God created the church, when the church was birthed after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church was birthed, God led them to do small groups. He led them to do these things that we do in small groups. And why did God do that? Because God made you, and he knows what you need. And he knows how you're, he knows how you're wired, and we are wired for connection. We are wired for it. I mean, that's, that's who we are. Even, even those of you who say you're not, people, you're not a people person, right? We got, some, we got some of those around, right? I'm just not a people person. Even those of you who say you're not a people person, There is still that inside of you that wants to connect. This is why a lot of times, you know, life just doesn't feel right. 
life just doesn't feel like it's, it's moving in the right direction or that you're making any progress or something. It's because a lot of times it's the problems of not being connected to anyone. I mean, look at high schools today, and the kids are going into high schools, and, you know, the, the struggles that they're having there. I mean, yeah, there's drugs and, and lots of other stuff, and, and these are kind of just continuations of the problems that are there. But a lot of the, you know, a lot of the elementary kind of problems that kids have today is what about relationships? You know, busted up relationships or, or maybe uh, feeling disconnected from somebody that I'm supposed to be real connected to or whatever. And a lot of that is what leads us to other problems. Uh, the reason for this is we're not connecting like we need to, and we're wired for connection. You're wired. You need other people in your life. That's why God wants us to be in small groups, not just to be right here and hear a you know, 30-minute lecture sermon whatever you want to call it, but he wants us to be in dialogue also. And, you know, this really just isn't the best time for you to stand up and ask a question, you know. You know, right now if you were to stand up and say, Pastor, let me ask you a question about this. This is just not a good time for that because it would kind of throw everything off, wouldn't it? I mean, it would throw me off because there's no way I could just walk past. I'd, I'd have to answer your question right then, you know. You know, there's no way I could just say, well, let's talk about that. I, I would really want to stop and answer your question because I wouldn't want to leave it out there. That's not a, this is not a good time for that. But a small group is, which leads me to the next slide and the next, next point is small groups are safe places for discovery. You know, you can't ask a question here, but you need a place to ask a question. And small groups are a good place for that. In, in the book of Titus, chapter 1, uh, Paul is, is, is reminding Titus, Titus, I left you there where you are to, to, to strengthen the church, to set some things that need to be set in order, uh, to find some leaders. And, and when you find leaders, look for people that da-da-da-da-da. And in the middle of this, this is what he's saying. He says leaders like that, he must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who, those who oppose it where they are wrong. Okay, now, first of all, if you read this, oh, oh he's going to tell us. No, no, look, let's think about it this way. It's like when we come together in a small group and somebody asks a question, and then the small group leader is able, or maybe even somebody else in the group, sometimes it's not just the leader, is able to say, well, you know, Scripture says this, so I think here's where that question would be answered. Yeah, that's right. And here's maybe where it doesn't quite match up with Scripture. That's what he's saying. We need leaders like that. And, and, and then it goes on, and, and the end of verse 10 and then verse 11 says, for there are many rebellious people, not just people who are just misunderstanding, but there are some rebellious people who engage in useless talk and even purposely, as he's talking about people that are doing this on purpose, purposely deceive others. They must be silenced because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. Man, I don't have time to really preach a lot here, but I would really like to, is because we can all get confused at times. I mean, if you're trying to... Uh, decipher Christianity based on, you know, what you read on the internet. I mean, if you're trying to Google all of your questions about Christianity on the internet, you desperately need a small group where you can bring what you're finding on the internet to a place where you can say, hey, I read this this week, tell me about it. And then you need a good small group leader who is able to say, here's some truth, you know, and here's some, fault, here's some falsehood or here's some places where maybe that doesn't line up with Scripture. And then if there is something that is obviously purposely anti, you know, that they're strong enough to say, but wait a minute, here too. And, you know, that's why, I mean, if you've been here and you've been listening, you know, you know that the last four weeks we've had small group leader training because we want people to be trained and ready to help lead you through small groups. So small groups, for these reasons, and just, just like Paul was telling Titus, small groups are safe places for you to bring your questions, even your doubts. 
If you got a doubt, bring your doubt. To ask the question, say, I, I don't understand this. I don't know why God, bring it. And, and, and in, in that, it's not like a, a room that's attacking you. It's like, hey, let's dig through this. That's what small groups do. So it's a safe place for discovery. But it's also a safe place for enlightenment and encouragement. Right, is that my next slide? Yes, to be enlightened or to be encouraged. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Now, you may have heard this scripture before. We pastors like to use it a whole lot because it says, don't stay home from church. That's not all that it says, but a lot of times that's what the pastor, you know, says. It's, okay, that scripture says you don't dare you stay home from church. Don't stay home from church. That's, what, that's not all it says, you know, but that's what we pastors, we like to really focus on that one right there. But here's how it begins. Let's consider how to urge one another, how to provoke one another to good works, to love, and to good deeds. Let's consider how can I urge somebody because that's what church is supposed to be about. And so while we're doing that, yeah, don't stay home from church. That's what it says in the end of that, right? But what it's saying is, why are we coming to church? We need to, we need to be thinking about how I can encourage somebody. Right before the first service this morning, Delane, one of our prayer team members, shared with us a story of, of how God had protected his family this week, some members of his family this week. And man, it just encouraged me because, not, not because I never heard a story like that, but because I've lived stories like that. And to hear him say that, reminded me of those times that, that, you know, God protected me. And it reminded me, and, you know, just, again, right now I'm just having, I'm, I'm getting chill bumps thinking about how, some of those times that, that I ought to be dead or members of my family ought to be dead. And God protected us, and it reminded me, and it, man, it made me want to come out here and let's worship this God that protects us when we're in those times. And, and, and so that, that's what we need to be thinking about. How can I encourage somebody? Man, if something good happened to you this week, you need to be looking, you need to be looking around for somebody that's low today, somebody that's, you know, struggling, somebody that's a little sad, and, and, and say, can I tell you something about what God, God did for us this week? And, and just encourage them. So we, we need to urge. We need to urge and encourage, okay? Uh, here's another scripture for you, and this is one where, where uh, Jesus had just delivered a man. This is a man that he was, um, man, he was obsessed, oppressed. The word says he was even possessed. You know, and, and, and Jesus delivered him from all that, got him free from all that. And, and because of that, when Jesus got ready to get in the boat and leave, you know, the man started climbing in the boat with Jesus. I'm going with you. You know, because he was so excited about what God had done in his life, he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to serve him. He wanted to be with him more and more. You know what Jesus told him in Mark chapter 5, verse 19? No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. You know, uh, sometimes we, we, we think... God just wants to serve him, but you remember one of the sermons in this series, and if you missed that one, go back to the podcast and get it. How do we serve God? By serving others. What did Jesus tell him here? He says, yeah, I've done amazing for you. Now go home and tell somebody. Your family needs to hear this. So he probably went home, got all the family together in the house, probably invited some of the neighbors to come by, or maybe went to the neighbor's house, and, and he went and he talked to them about it, and he told them about Jesus, and he encouraged them. He was in a horrible, dark place, and Christ had brought him into the light. If that's happened to you, you need to tell somebody. If that's happened to you, and you've got family members that aren't in the light today, you need to be telling them, you know, because this. And I, I looked. I couldn't find out who said it first, okay? So I can't give them credit for it, this quote. But let, let, me read, let me make sure I say it right. Let's read it together. Your story is a key that can unlock someone else's prison. Oh, yeah, thank you. Amen. 
That's good, isn't it? That's, you know what? That's why I wanted you to see LaDana's video last week. I wanted you to see that. That's why I wanted you to see Ollie's video a couple of weeks before, or two weeks ago. And that's why I wanted you to see the McCord's video from a few weeks ago. You know, we got plans to do more videos because we want you to know. We want you to hear that because I know, or, or like telling you Ken's story. You know, Ken Lewis's story about how he's get, getting a miracle, riding down the road on his way to the hospital and getting a miracle. I want you to hear that story. Why? Because some of you are struggling. It's like you're in a little prison, and hearing that story is the key to unlock your prison so you can walk out. But here's the thing, is you also have a story, and your story is the key to somebody else's prison, and you need the opportunity to share that. And maybe you're not a, a, a person that can do, I mean, they told me, LaDana Hurt did her video one take. Uh, they forgot to turn on the microphone. She had to do it a second time. But, but she did it in one take, then she did it again one take. She, maybe you can't do that. Maybe you're not a video person. Maybe you're not someone who can tell your story that way. But you can share it in a small group. I mean, this, this is what God calls us to is to share these because truly your story may be the key that unlocks one person's prison. And if it unlocks one person, they're able to just walk free of just a little stuff that night. It's worth telling the story, isn't it? So we, we need, that's why we need small groups. That's why we need to be with one another because we get enlightened, we get encouraged, okay? So let's go on. Next slide, which we're really getting deeper into this because small groups foster deeper relationships. You know, um, relationships today seem to get, to me, they seem to get more and more shallow and shallow and shallow. I mean, it's like, how many Facebook friends do you have? And how many real friends do you have? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. Real friends. But you know what deeper, deep relationships do? Let me, let me share some things with you. We need others because we get wisdom from others. You see, you, don't, you may be the wisest person in the room, but you still don't know everything. God hasn't shared all his wisdom with you. You know, we've got two families in our church that won the eco-savings race. I don't even know if you know what that is. But to win that, I mean, they had to go through all the, I mean, it was, it, it, it was like a boot camp for finances or something, you know. And they learn stuff that it, you need to know. And one, one of the families leads, uh, leads a, a FPU almost, almost every semester, not, not having it this, this semester, but almost every semester. You know what, you, you need to be around them. They've got wisdom that you don't have about finances. And sometimes we, we don't like people to tell us about our finance because we're afraid they're going to tell us to do something with our money that we don't really want to do. But listen, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about having a better financial life or having, about having a great marriage. You know, there are people in this room right now who've been married 60 years. You know, and if you have been married three, four, five years, something like that or less, you do not have all the wisdom about marriage that those people have. And you know what? They, they've also learned enough to know, if, they're, if they've been married that long, they've learned enough to know to not beat you over the head with it. If you ask them a question, they're probably going to give you a really good answer to help you just a little bit. You need to be around some of those kinds of people to have a great marriage. Because, see, again, say, oh, you know, you might take this attitude that I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody like that because they're going to tell me to do something I don't want to do. They're going to tell you how to have a great marriage, <laughs> you know? So it doesn't really matter what, if they tell you what to do and it's helping you have a great marriage, how, how could you argue against that? Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Help me. We, I don't have time to, to, to spend all, here, all this right here. But this is one of the reasons we need each other uh, because, for cheering us on. You know, you ever, you ever told somebody about something in your life and they said, I'll pray with you about that. And you really felt like, yeah, right? 
that's the way people are, you know, with the shallow relationships. You know, when you tell somebody that you barely know you got an issue, they say, I'll be praying with you about that. And they, they don't remember, you know, unless they make a note, it's because their, their relationship isn't deep enough for them to think about you again tomorrow morning without some kind of prompting. Maybe the Holy Spirit will prompt them. But you, when you build an honest, deep relationship with somebody and you've got a problem and you tell that friend that you've got a deep relationship with that, hey, I've got an interview so-and-so this week or whatever, you know what? That person's going to be praying with you this week. That my family's going through something, that person's going to be praying with you this week. They're going to be cheering you on, believing in you because they don't have some little shallow just, just hey, how's it going uh, relationship. They've got a serious relationship with you. I mean, if you want that, if you want people who are going to be sincerely cheering you on and believing in you and encouraging you and praying for you, then you're going to have to d- develop deeper relationships than you presently have. You know, or, or we need each other for support in tough times. Uh, creative inspiration. Let me talk about this one just real quick if I can. You know, I get inspiration from other people. You know, you may have your list of these are the things that make a great sermon to me. You may have your own list. You know what my list is? Here, here's my list real quick. A great sermon to me is something that sparks something else in me. Like if I'm listening to somebody else preach, and, you know, if I take out my phone while I'm listening to somebody else preach, it's not because I'm bored and I want to play a game, okay? I take it out my phone because they just, they just gave me a seed that's going to grow into something amazing that I'm going to share with somebody else, maybe in a sermon, maybe in a small group, maybe that i got to share with, with the mayor when I have lunch with him or something. I don't know who I'm going to share, but, boy, that's good, and I'm writing that down. And that's, that's what, to me, is a great sermon, something that creates some inspiration and when we're around good people with wisdom and, and other ideas and they say because you know new people people that I'm, I'm not yet connected to they they say things just a little differently than everybody else that I've grown up with and and that's why I like talking to people you know sometimes I ask people to lunch and they say well what, what do you need from me pastor you know they think they ain't got anything to share with me and you know they may just they may just read a scripture just a little bit differently and, and just say it just and just inflect a little differently and it says wow it makes me say wow I've never seen that we, we need to be around different. We need people for the creative inspiration, for the motivation. Oh, I, 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 I got to dig in here just a little bit too. You know, uh, there are some days, there are some times in my life that as a pastor, I don't feel like being a pastor. You know, and I'm just tired, I'm worn out. And you know what I do? I pray that God keeps you away from me during those times, you know. Okay, I'm tongue-in-cheek here just a little bit, Okay. I just don't want you to get hurt, you know, like, oh, man, I'm not interested in that or what. I mean, there are times you just get so, a lot of times it is because of all your stuff, and I see you going through things, and I see you still not taking advantage of what God has put right there inside of you. Remember the scripture, the scripture last week? It says we've already got everything we need. Already got it there. We don't have to go find it. God doesn't have to create it. It's there. Just pick it up. And I'm saying, come on, pick it up. And I just get exasperated. Sometimes I get discouraged. You know what makes me get up and do it anyway? People. That's the motivation. It's not because God said so. I'm going to tell you, a lot of times God said so doesn't make me want to get up and do it. But when I know that God said so in my heart and it begins to be lived out in my heart. You know, I think some of you moms could preach this point better than I could. Are there not some nights that you didn't want to get up and go check on the baby when it was crying, but you got up anyway? Are there not sometimes you don't feel like making a meal, but the family is hungry? 
Are there not some times that I don't want to clean the house one more time? So why do you do it? Hopefully not just because the house is dirty, but because of the people that live there. It's the motivation that gets me out of whatever funk I'm in and says, i got to go. i gotta, I got to fight for these people one more time. i, I got to post something on, on social media. i got, I got to find that scripture that's going to challenge someone to, to hang in there one more time, to believe in, in God and in yourself that he's going to do it, that he's got a great plan for their life. It's, it's the people that are the motivation. That's, that's another reason you and I need to be connected. Because without people, sometimes we'll just grow disp- I mean, literally, some of us would literally become couch potatoes putting down roots and even growing those ugly little eyes and, and everything. If, if we didn't have connection with people, it motivates us because i got to do something because somebody's need. We, and we all need that. And that, uh, last one, there's accountability. And nobody likes accountability, right? Yeah, yeah. We like accountability. You see, the only people that don't like rules are the people who break the rules, right? And really, the people who don't like accountability are the ones who don't want to live accountable. You know, but accountability is a good thing. You know, that when, you know, that when somebody, somebody tells you, say, hey, something's not going right. I mean, to have some, sometimes, you know, when you are in one of those despondent, depressed states, it's good to have somebody say, you know, something doesn't look right in your life. You know what that is? Accountability. Looks like you're kind of under it a little bit today. You don't, feel, you don't seem like you feel as good as you normally do. That's accountability. It might be very, very shallow, very, very little, but it's a little bit of accountability saying something is not right. Let's do something about it. So we all need accountability. Okay, so next slide because here's a few more things about, about the deep relationships. Deep relationships make us healthier. Did you know this? Now, Google it, and don't even look for church or Christian sites. Just look for science, uh, psychology sites, and they will tell you that deep relationships make us mentally, emotionally, and physically healthier. You know, you will be healthier in every part of your life, not just spiritually, but in every part of your life when you develop deeper relationships. And it's going to be even better if you're developing those with Christians. Deeper relationships challenge us to explore new things. You know, like I was saying just a few moments ago, to hear you say it a little different way, wow, yeah, that's good, and go deeper, and to grow personally. All right, so let me give you a couple of scriptures right here. And you may, you may have heard, heard these. This one you probably heard, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You know, um, iron cannot be sharpened by something softer than it is. You know, it's, it's, you need something as hard as you are to sharpen you. Come on, you get that? <laughs> You need something as hard as you are to sharpen you. Knock your burrs off. Y'all know what a burr is? You know, on, on a piece of metal. Something to whet it down. Not W-H-E-T, to, to, to hone it down, to make it sharp. You've got to have something hard. That doesn't come from shallow relationships. That comes from deep relationships. You've got you to let somebody in to enable someone to to enable someone to do that. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Here's another one. And this one's a little more obscure, but you've probably, you've probably heard some of this before. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And three are even better than that, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Yeah. You know what God is saying? You need each other. That's what he said over and over and over throughout the Bible. Over and over and over. You need people. And so you need a small group. You, you need to join a small group. You need to be investing yourself into a small group. Okay, so let me, let me go. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, no, next, next slide. Go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. Throwing you a curve there. 
I'm going to try to hurry. Small groups help us practice, okay? Uh, first of all, they help us practice the truths we discover. When, when we discover a truth, small groups give us a place to share that and maybe practice sharing that. And maybe, you know, that maybe, hey, I read this in Scripture this week, and I just want to ask you guys about it, and you say this, and, and maybe somebody says, you know, I think you're almost perfect there, but I think here's, here's maybe, and it tweaks it, so now you're ready to go home and share it with a family member or a friend at lunch, coffee or something the next day. Small groups gives you a place to practice that. Uh, and, and, and that 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, um, here's what Paul is kind of saying here. It's four, it's four generations of, and not like, actual generations, but four generations of, of speaking truth right here. He said, Paul is saying, Paul, I've taught you Timothy. Now, Timothy, you go find some great guys that you can, te- you can teach that will also teach others. Right there in that, we're seeing four generations of that passing the truth down so it can continue to go down. That's the great commission that Jesus Christ gave us. Go and teach all nations all the, and teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That's the, that's the great commission is to keep handing it down, keep handing it down, and keep handing it down. Small groups are the place to, to try that out. Also, next, next slide is about spreading our wings and, and having the opportunity. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, what it's talking about here in verse 34 and 35 is that, is that there was no one really needy in the church because you know what happened? Somebody said, well, I've got four cars and only two people in my family can drive, so I'll sell one of those so we can use the money to help people that are in need. You know, that kind of thing. Of course, they didn't have cars back in those days, right? But you understand what I'm saying? And the reason I use the cars is because last year, you know what happened at 2911? Last year, we had two cars donated through 2911 that we gave to needy families. Why? Because somebody had a car that they couldn't drive. You know, somebody had an extra car, and they said, I've got extra, and somebody else doesn't have enough. And so they want to give that, and they want to help. They want to bless somebody else with that. You know, you need... You need to take advantage of the opportunity every once in a while to buy somebody's meal behind you in the drive-thru, okay? You need to do that, but you also need the times where you come together, like in a small group, and say, okay, let's do something. Let's raise some money to do something amazing. You know, last night, uh, uh, the Rotary Club asked to use some of our sound system. They had an event here last night to raise funds. And, and, and then they started telling me what they, what they had done. One of the things they had done is they went and bought these old Singer sewing machines. Y'all know the ones that you pump? You know? And, and they shipped them to Haiti, and they shipped, they shipped pounds and pounds and pounds of material. And then they had ladies go in and teach these, these ladies there how to sew with a sewing machine just to help them. And it says these ladies, they were telling them, these ladies were staying up all night long. Some of them, they would find them with, with a flashlight in their mouth as they were trying to make that because they didn't have any light or whatever. And they were trying to, you know, they, somebody had given them now the opportunity to take care of their family. Amazing opportunities. You know, when, uh, when, when we first got started, we first planted 2911. One, one, a couple of the, uh, the first missions opportunities we had was sending something somewhere. We, we, uh, we helped dig a well, sent over $10,000 to, to uh, Romania to dig a well for the, for the orphanage there, the Bread of Life Orphanage. And then we did two, like, uh, we sent groceries to them because they were needing certain things. Like I, uh, what I remember is peanut butters. They just couldn't get peanut butter. So expensive there. And, and so I remember just, man, and just telling everybody, let's, let's buy all the peanut butter we can, you know, because it's also nutritious. It's not just good. It's also nutritious. And, and my cousin, my cousin, who I, I don't get to talk to very often, he, um, he is a member of a small group where he attends church, Hunter Street Baptist, other side of town, nowhere near here or anything. But he was seeing my posts on Facebook about what we were doing with that. And, and he, he, so he contacted me. He said, our small group, just a bunch of men, we've been putting some money aside. Every time we come together, we all bring a little bit of money. And, and we're putting it aside, just waiting for God to show us some place that we can use our money. And they said, 
that he said, can we pay the shipping for you to get these groceries to Romania? Isn't that awesome? You know, so you need to do some of your own things, buy somebody lunch or coffee sometimes, but you need to be a part of something bigger to do something bigger than you can do sometimes. You know, sometimes it's a huge thing, you know, like dig a well. And sometimes, you know, it's just paying the shipping for some groceries to get somewhere or buying a, an old Singer sewing machine for a lady that doesn't have electricity so she can start making clothes for her kids. You know, and we get those opportunities a lot of times in small groups. Like a lot of our small, I know one of our small groups is going to be completely, totally about, just about that, is finding serve areas. And so you need to strongly consider. And listen, you, pray, you uh, small group leaders, Chad, thought about that. Pray about making your small group have a little something about giving back some way, somehow. If you need ideas, give, let me know. Man, I got a list of ideas of ways you can give back. Let me ask you this. I'm about to wrap up here, but let me ask you this question. Why do you go to the hospital? You're sick. There's another reason to go to the hospital. Because somebody else is sick. To visit. You see, sometimes we take this, take this attitude about church. You know, it's like we go to church because we need, need something. Sometimes you need to go to church because somebody else needs something. We call it, I like to call it, the gift of presence. You know, you, you ever been to a funeral home and not have the words to say? I have no idea how many funeral home visits I have made or funeral visits I have made in my ministry. It's a lot. Let me tell you something. I still haven't figured out what to say. But you know what I have found out? Sometimes it's just enough to be there. The gift of presence. You just being here today. Just sitting there, you know, and just saying, yeah, that's right. Or, or, or being involved or worshiping or something or ha having a smile back there as you're drinking your coffee. Or today you get to eat a cupcake and have some sweet tea. Yay for sweet tea. Uh, you know, and just having a smile, the gift of your presence. Same thing with small groups. You know, don't go to a small group just because you need it. Go to it because it's your opportunity to give the gift of presence to someone else who needs it. You know, you, you are not just... We're not just called to come to church. We're called to be the church. And being the church is about being there for somebody else. Not just when I need, but I'd say most of the time, very few times, do I come to church because I need something. I am here because you need me. You need to be here because somebody needs you. And you need to be in a small group for the same reason. And see, small groups... Last little thing, small groups are the front door many times for the church. Um, and there's a bunch of scriptures up there. Uh, the first one is um, Cornelius. Simon Peter went to Cornelius' house. He didn't send him a note and say, hey, meet me at church Sunday. No, no he went to his house. Uh, the, the second one there is where Paul, he had already been to the synagogue. He had already been there, and he would already been teaching and already been doing all those things. But he said, then we went out of town to try to find a place of prayer, try to find a place where people are praying, or to try to find a place where we could pray. And you know what? He found some women down by the river. Probably they were washing clothes or something, you know, doing some kind of chores or something. And he started sharing with them the gospel. And guess what? Some of them started believing in Christ right then. And it was the front door to the church. Not the church service, the front door to the church. It was the front door of getting them saved. 
because he was there. Uh, the third one is my favorite, and I'm not going to go through all of these, but, but they're there. If you go to the, the Connect page, church2911.com slash connect, and look at my sermon notes, you can go there and you can click on every one of these, and you can see. And th- this isn't all of them, okay? But these are just the examples. And this, this one I love, the third one right there, and you've heard me say it if you've been here very while, uh, very long, uh, where Paul was in Athens, and he went to the Areopagus. That's the place where people just kind of sat around and talked. Kind of like a small group, but didn't have any, any direction or anything. So everybody just showed up, and, and they talked about whatever was on their mind. So they, they had probably some really weird discussions because no one was like saying, hey, well, hey, let's look at what it line, how it lines up with this or whatever. But here, here's, what, here's what Paul did this day in, in chapter 17 is uh, – is he said, now, and this is a big paraphrase, okay, all right, because I really want you to get it. I mean, this is awesome. This is beautiful. He, he says, okay, now, I've been walking down the streets of Athens, and I noticed you guys are really, really suspicious. You've got so many idols. You've even got a monument to the God that you don't know in case you missed one. He said, well, let me tell you about the one God that you don't know. That's awesome. That's awesome to say, you're so superstitious, you're worried you missed a God. Well, you did. Let me tell you about him. His name is Jesus. And he, and he went totally, and, and those, some of those men, because he was there in the Areopagus, they didn't come to the synagogue. They didn't go to the synagogue. They didn't go to the prayer times. But because he was in the Areopagus, some of those men became Christians because he was there. And so th- these are just examples of, of how Our Christianity is not going to end here in about 10 or 15 minutes. It's about this other 163 hours we've got for the rest of this week. And that's what all these verses are about, showing us how much more God can do for us. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you, and as always, we dare you to dream.